Well, we ended power camp on Friday. Thank you, Russell. <laughs> I think we left at uh, 6.30 or 7 p.m. in the evening. Uh, man, what a, what a great summer. Here's what I want to do today. Um, I want to recap some of what God did this summer. Um, then I want to bring up two CITs. Those are our coaches in training. I'm going to interview them. Um, and then I have a short message that I think the Lord's put on our hearts um, and on my heart as, as we poise ourselves to move forward here in the city. Amen? Um, so a couple of celebration things. Um, in four weeks, we had 835 camper slots. Pretty cool, huh? Um, I think that's as many as we had in six weeks last year, so pretty cool. Um, we had over 150 of you all volunteer in one way or another. So that was by adopting a coach. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. Come on. Some of you all adopted coaches. Some of you guys actually showed up at camp and um, met with people, wrote names in Bibles, served in our RN room. I just saw Coach Diane somewhere back here. Where's Diane Bruton? She was back here. When she was one of the nurses that served a good portion of the summer with us. Uh, that was small groups who adopted our coach night. Um, there was just a number of ways that you guys got involved, and I want to say a big thank you to you. 150 of you guys got involved with the mission, so praise Jesus. Um, let's see, we gave out over 80 scholarships. Pretty cool, yeah? Our campers collectively, with loose change for life change, raised over $3,000. You believe that? I mean, like, What? $3,000 in four weeks, and somebody actually asked me, Michael, what's the big deal with digging wells um, in third world countries? Well, let me tell you, if you don't have clean water, the gospel doesn't mean much to you at that moment, does it? And by establishing clean water, what can we then establish? Relationship, the gospel, bringing Christ Jesus is just so powerful. And it's also so powerful to raise awareness in our own campers. Your kids, your grandkids who are back there at camp, having them acknowledge and understand that not everyone lives lives that are as blessed as ours. It's just very, very healthy. That, that was $3,000 in change, I might add, like quarters and nickels and dimes. I mean, it was change. It was like, yeah, pounds and pounds and pounds of change. Uh, we spent over $3,000 on Jesus Storybook Bibles, little hardback Bibles that went into the hands of every camper who surrendered their life to Christ Jesus. Um, little, these hardback Bibles, and I'm telling you, it is probably one of the, if you haven't read it, I recommend you read it because your understanding of the gospel will grow tremendously. It's the gospel from Genesis to Revelation as seen through Christocentric glasses. Absolutely fabulous. I think Abby and I have read it to our kids four or five times all the way through. Um, now, 164 campers surrendered their life to Christ Jesus. That crazy? There was 119 additional campers who came up front and said, hey, I want to surrender my life to Jesus again, which means they've done it either at home or maybe at power camp in one of the preceding years. We attempted to compare names to, to years prior. And I always throw that um, number out sort of trepidatiously, but here's why I think it's important. Because every one of those campers has a name has a story, has an experience, and they matter to God. 
and they should matter to us. And actually, one of the CITs that's going to come up today actually came to Christ at Power Camp a couple years ago. So a few years ago, when I stood on this stage and slung a number at you that maybe meant nothing to you, he was one of that number. And this year, he was a coach on our team. Isn't that cool? So I think the other thing I would want to say in that moment is I've talked to a number of you, and there's concern. Well, how are we following up, and are we doing discipleship? We're doing our best. We're doing our best. But the Holy Spirit is able to chase down the hearts of young men and young women who have truly surrendered to him. And secondarily, I think in the future, God's going to be calling us to become a church that is more friendly to young families, young people, in our expressions of worship. I got a clap. So it was an absolutely fabulous summer. I was teary on Friday. In fact, um, I think a lot of our coaches were. I also got news that I lost my grandmother, so that was part of it. But there's the relationships that were built at camp were so amazing. I just got to pray with 24 of our staff members who boarded two buses to head down to Florida with Matt George. And the integration that is happening between our middle school program, our high school program, and power camp is absolutely remarkable. What we stand on the brink of today is why are we not having integration up here? And that will be my message, so I will circle back around to that. So press pause. Amen? Okay. Um, I want to bring up two different people. Coach Joey, will you come up here and join us? Will you guys give him a warm hand? Have a seat right there. Was that the blue team? Um, before I even say, talk about Joey here, if you were a coach with us, will you stand up? We have a number of, of people. If you were a coach this summer. And there's eight or nine up here. And, and Myrtle Grove, I want you to think of something now. Stay standing just a second. Stay standing. 24 additional coaches just got on two buses to drive down to Florida to do a mission trip. Don't tell me God is not moving in our city. The question will become, will we get behind his move? Woo! Jesus. All right, this is Coach Joey. I'm going to give you that. It's hot. All right, thank you. <laughs> tell us about yourself, Coach Joey. Uh, I... Where do you go to school? All right, I go to school. Oh, I'm going to Ashley. I just graduated from Murray. And I've been a camper here, uh, power camp for four years. All right. How long ago uh, at power camp did you surrender your life to Christ? Um, I think it was two years ago. Okay. So you came to camp a couple years before you actually did that? Yes. Very cool. What prompted that? Um, like what made me want to surrender my life? Yeah. I don't know, just you talking about how much of a difference it makes in people's lives, so I really wanted to reach out and try that. Okay. Now, uh, I want to brag on Coach Joey here for just a second, because we had our staff formal dinner on, I think it was Thursday night, wasn't it? Yes. And you got an award. Yes. We all, we gave out, we give out awards to every one of our staff members, and we honor everybody. And when we gave this guy his award, the entire staff stood up and gave him a standing ovation. That tells you what our staff thought of Coach Joey this year.
so you're a rising ninth grader at Ashley? Yes. Okay. Um, now, tell me, what prompted you to want to be a CIT? How did that happen? Um, I don't know. Like, when I was a camper, I looked up to a lot of the coaches, and I really enjoyed the experience, and I just wanted to give that experience to the campers. Now, you told me about one particular coach, I think on a bus yes. ride. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I didn't really know anybody on the bus ride, and I was kind of sitting in the back, and I guess he saw me, he picked me out, and just reached over to me, started talking to me, made me feel special. Was that Coach Austin? Do I yeah. remember you telling me that? He was a coach from a couple years back. We all, all loved Coach Austin. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what was maybe a really impactful part of your summer this past summer? Um, the biggest impact was bringing me closer to God and just bringing me closer to all these good people. They're a great crew, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> the friendships that are made over a summer of all of us joining together to accomplish the same mission are absolutely beautiful. Those ought to be the same relationships we're forging here at church. God's going to do that. God's going to do that here. Okay, um, tell me, uh, did you have an impactful moment with a camper? Yes. Um, actually, one camper, it was the first time she was ever here. It was on Monday. And she didn't really want to participate in anything. She was kind of sitting off to the side, and everyone was playing. And I kept asking her to play, and she wouldn't play. But I, I finally pulled her out of her comfort zone, and for the rest of the week, she just was a new person, and she had a blast. So, so now let me get this straight. A couple years ago, Coach Austin reached out to you on a bus because yeah. you were feeling alone yeah. and disconnected. And he connected with you and made you feel important yeah. and brought you in. And somewhere around that time, you surrendered your life to Christ. And now here you are back at camp, going after the one who's also looking lonely and isolated, sharing the love of Jesus. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> the mission of camp is first to disciple our coaches. It's to call groups of young people um, higher into their faith, into their walk with Christ, deeper into their relationship with Him, and then empower them to love on campers. And guys, it's happening. It's not perfect, but it's happening. Uh, Joe, you got anything else you want to share with us? Um, I just hope I can come back next year. You are already you are on the team next year, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Before you go, I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for Coach Joey. Lord Jesus, I just praise you for Coach Joey. I praise you for his heart. Lord, I praise you that he is heading to Ashley this coming year. And Father, I pray that he would be a beacon of light in that public high school. We declare that he is bought with a price. He is in Christ. He is a carrier of Christ Jesus. And he is going to be a light everywhere he goes. He literally changes the atmosphere. He shifts the room because of you in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. This is his grandmother right here and his dad. So. <laughs> Uh, next up, I want to uh, interview Coach Michaela. I think she's sitting back here. There she is. Coach Michaela, come on down here. This is Coach Michaela, and uh, this is Lance and Lisa, uh, Lawrence's daughter. So uh, they are missionaries, and uh, since we're live, I'm just going to say they're missionaries in the Mideast. Um, Coach Michaela, first of all, I think, did we meet maybe last year when you visited? 
Yeah, I actually saw you at Power Camp. I was a camper. Okay, so. okay. So you went to camp last year. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I had missed that part of the story. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. <laughs> so you're a camper last year, and then what, what prompted you to be a CIT this year? Well, I just had such a great time last year, and I just saw how fun, all, like how much fun all the coaches had. So I was like, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Uh, tell me a, uh, a poignant or a powerful or significant moment at camp this past summer for you. Well, all those um, talks that you had, especially on the Wednesdays and Thursdays, about surrendering your life to Jesus, a lot of the kids afterwards who surrendered their life would come to me and ask some questions, and that was just awesome. And I just got to tell them more about Jesus and what he, what he did for us. Michaela carried um, just a unique um, peace and calm, and you could always see her in her group. All, you know, the groups are always wild at summer camps. So we're always on the brink of crazy. And, uh, but her groups always had an element of just sort of calm and togetherness because she was in them. She just brought peace and stability. So, um, okay, well, tell me a, uh, maybe a favorite part of camp for you this summer. Um, probably just doing all the activities with the kids and finding out what they're great at and then seeing them do their best at all the games and just having fun and making new friends. Okay. Now, you were also born in the Middle East, mm -hmm. and you've only been back to the States to visit over the, how old um, are you? I'm 14. 14. So mm -hmm. over your 14 years, you've been back to visit over mm -hmm. the years? For only six months, and this year will be the longest. I'm staying for one whole year. Okay. So, yeah. So tell us how um, integrating back in stateside, how, how, did, how did Power Camp work for you there? Oh, it was so much fun. Um, I ad observed a lot, uh, just seeing how the coaches and the kids interact with each other because the cultures are so different. They're like literally opposite. So just watching people and how they interact and yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Born and raised in the Middle East. Isn't that wild? Came over here, jumped on the team, was a fabulous coach. I had more people tell me about, you know, there was actually a conversation I had with somebody yesterday, and they said whenever she would bring the campers through, she would have every one of them say a thank you. Everyone was gracious. You just, you just led so well. So we're just thank so <laughs> thrilled to have had you as part of the team. Now, I have one last question. Um, tell me about any friendships that you made with the staff. Oh, yeah. I feel like the staff is just awesome. There's so many, like, awesome coaches and CITs. I just loved being at camp, and I actually joined the um, youth group just so I could see more of them. <laughs> Somebody's cheering. Um, any last comments or anything you want to share with us? Just like Joey said, I hope I come back next year. <laughs> well, we would love to have you. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk to mom and dad and see when they're departing and uh, see if we can squeeze you in for a few weeks. Hopefully, yeah. Let me pray for you. Okay. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you for Michaela. And God, I praise you for her family and the powerful work that you're doing in them and through them in the Mideast. And Father, I pray that this year would be a year of great rest. I pray it would be a year of great peace. I pray it would be a year of refreshing and Father, I want to declare over Michaela that she is a mighty young woman, a carrier of your presence. She is a changer of rooms. She's a changer of regions. She's been gifted and called by you to lead her peers, older and younger. And Father, I praise you that you brought her for this time, for this season, to be with us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen. Thank you, Michaela. If you'll turn with me to 2 Kings 2, in our remaining moments, we're going to have a, a look at a couple of scriptures in 2 Kings 2. Power Camp coaches, thank you guys for coming. Um, I do want to point out a couple people. Tyler Whitford, would you stand to your feet while everyone's turning there? <laughs> Tyler was an uh, integral part of Power Camp this summer. He ran much of the day-to-day -day programming at camp. Um, he was my partner in crime. We were Mario and Luigi one week. We were the anchors at, uh, from American Ninja Warrior one week. We were Buzz and Woody uh, one week. And we were, I think we were superheroes. I was Peter Quill and you were Batman. Oh, man, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. He's got the best Batman voice you've ever heard. And uh, his heart for campers and his heart for coaches is, is just unparalleled. So, Tyler, thank you. It was an honor to have you. Um, I also want to point out Amber Lydon. I'm going to embarrass you, Amber. Stand up. Amber runs all of our behind-the-scenes, all of the registration, emails, phone calls. She is a uh, pillar of camp. We could not do camp without her. And uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you guys with us. And the other person I want to recognize is Craig. Craig, would you stand up back there? Craig drove our buses all summer. We, have a, uh, we had a 55-passenger bus that we used to transport our campers to different excursions. And, Craig, we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much. You were a pillar of the ministry of Power Camp. So we are so grateful. Um, okay, I'm in 2 Kings 2, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 8. And we're going to read through verse 13, and then I'm going to make some uh, comments. And I think the question um, that I want us to move towards is um, it's a little bit of a difficult question. Um, and it might even be a bit of a painful question. But I think it's worth us asking. You know, in our house, sometimes we call family meetings. And Abby and I will talk about something difficult with the kids or we'll interact. And so I want to welcome all the Power Camp families that are here. We're thrilled to have you. And uh, I'm going to direct most of my comments at our um, home church members because I think God has something bigger and better that he is calling us on to. So, all right, let's start reading in 2 Kings 2. We'll start in verse 8. Elijah took his cloak, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. That's Elijah and Elisha. Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind. He went to heaven. Verse 12, Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father. He was his spiritual father. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more, and he took hold of his garment, and he rent it in two. He ripped it. Verse 13, he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he went back, and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, and he said, Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. 
Lord Jesus, as we uh, look at this scripture and as we make some applications to Myrtle Grove, to Power Camp, to Myrtle Grove Christian School, to Coastal Christian High School, all here on our campus, I pray that you would bring revelation. I pray that you would bring light. I pray that you would bring hope. And I pray that you would charge us to take our place in the city. In your name I pray. Amen. So uh, some of you all know... um, in fact, it was just announced, so all of you all know, that uh, my grandmother passed away this past Saturday. Um, Abby's grandmother passed away two and a half weeks ago, and we made a two-day trip down to Birmingham. The family asked me to do the funeral. It was a huge honor. Um, and in the last year and a half, uh, we have lost five grandparents between us, Abby and I. And um, it caused me to do some significant introspection Um, about uh, the journey um, as someone is winding down their race and ultimately um, passing through the shroud into eternity. And uh, in some ways it was very sad, it was very hard um, to watch some of them wind down. It was painful. And simultaneously, um, I've been reading a lot of Tozer. Some of you have read Tozer. If you haven't, I'd recommend that you do. And he's got a um, work called... Um, the voice of the prophet. And chapter 9 in there actually talks about some of this. And so I was in the middle of all this, and the Lord's sort of rolling it around inside of me. And I'm asking this question. Lord, why is Power Camp booming and Myrtle Grove is not? It's a painful question, isn't it? It's hard for me. It's a hard question. I've worked here. I've worked here for eight and a half some years. Why is Myrtle Grove Christian School that's right there booming, and yet Myrtle Grove Church is not? Why is Coastal Christian High School that's back there on our property booming, and Myrtle Grove Church is not? And I've taken this to the Lord, and he sort of laid it over the winding down of the grandparents in our lives and Tozer, and the Word, and the Holy Spirit's voice in my life, and he began to sort of bubble some things up, and I want to call us to some things today. Now, how many of you know that nothing changes until you face the reality that something needs to change, right? We're, we're people that just resist change. I resist change like you wouldn't believe it. I don't want to change. I'm so happy. It was so funny because I'm standing back here with the youth, 24 of them, they've been power camp coaches, they're fabulous, they're young, juniors, seniors in high school, and do you know what their biggest thing was? This trip won't be as good as the Florida trip, the last Florida trip. They're literally saying that. This trip won't be as good as the trip we took to New York last year. Do you believe that? How old are they? They're like 16 years old, and they're already doing what? It was so good last year. There's no way it's going to be this good. Are y'all kidding me? I was sitting there going, are you guys serious? The Lord intends to powerfully meet us in the present. I said this to the youth back there. If you get stuck comparing this trip to the trip you had last year or the trip you had two years ago, you will miss what the presence of the Holy Spirit of God is doing now. 
It is not about the last Florida trip. It's not about the last New York trip. It's about what God is doing in your heart today, what he's doing in this group today, and what he's going to do with you all collectively as you head down to Florida today. Some of you know where I'm going, don't you? Good. There's five signs that I could come up with of what begins to happen as a person ages, as our grandparents aged and as they move towards crossing over into eternity before us. I want to talk about those a minute, and then I want to flip them, because I think God's calling us to something very powerful in the city. The first sign, this is right from Tozer, by the way. The first sign is inflexibility. Kyle's going to put his heel over his head. Inflexibility. I'm going to bring this back to Elijah and Elisha, so don't move that. I even, don't lose it. I even have my cloak down here. So it's coming. First sign is inflexibility. About middle age, you start, start to lose your ability to jump down on the floor and play with your kids or grandkids. I'm already feeling it. I got a hurt back. I got a little herniated disc that's acting up. And this year at power camp, I couldn't play the games like I have in years past. For the first time, I haven't been able to get on the floor and play with my kids like I love to. I've had to get them up on the table and play with them there. Serious. We sit at the table and play a game because I can't lay on the floor right now. But what begins to happen as you age is you become inflexible. And you can't prevent that, can we? It's just part of the deal. But what we're at risk of is becoming inflexible in here. We've got to be careful. A move of God always requires flexibility on our part. You look at the life of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah on Mount Carmel, standing there alone, facing all the prophets of Baal. Elijah parting the Jordan River. He had to remain flexible until the end so that he could be pliable and his ear could be turned to the voice of God. Myrtle Grove if we become inflexible, my sweet grandmother at the end became inflexible in her body. I've been inflexible this summer, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and go, Michael, you must never become inflexible in here. Myrtle Grove, we must never become inflexible. The second thing that happens as people age, is we have a tendency to talk more and take action less. As an organization gets older, it's statistically proven that organizations tend to do more talking and take less action. What made Power Camp such a great success is I pulled an eight-member core team together. They're all better at me than everything, I assure you, and said, what are we going to do, guys? I'm flexible. What do you want to do? And they came up with all these great ideas. Tyler was part of coming up with so many great ideas that I wouldn't have come up with. I never would have thought of making a Disney week. I didn't think of that. Put me in a Woody costume. But it worked. It was great fun. But it required some flexibility on my part. But they came up with it. And there were spiritual themes every day, and it culminated with this great call to surrender their life to Christ. We didn't lose any of the content, be assured. But as we age, sometimes 
we talk more and take action less. God always calls his people to be a people of prayer first and a people of action second. When I look at the life of Elijah and Elisha, and I don't have time today to unpack all of his life story, but he was a man of prayer. Elijah was a man of tremendous prayer, but he was always a man of action. When he said amen, he took action. I pondered over, why did God do what Elijah asked? You think about that for a minute. I'm not going to read through the scriptures, but God honored the requests of Elijah. He listened to him. But I believe it was because Elijah first honored and obeyed God wholly. Whole obedience, not partial, not a little bit, full obedience to God. So the first thing is inflexibility. The second thing is we tend to talk more and take action less. The third thing that is hard, it was very hard to watch our grandmothers go through this, is there was an increase in weakness, physical weakness. I already see it in my own life. I can't, this, this summer at camp, I'm getting ready to turn 37 years old, and there were some of these 18-year-old boys, and they wanted to come wrestle with me, and guess what? Don't do it. Don't do it, please. Don't run off. They picked me up and carried me off one day, and I was like, oh, my back. Some of you are sitting out there going, oh, Michael, you don't even know yet. You're right, I don't. I don't, it's true. My precious Meemaw, that's what I called her, she had a little cane she called Charlie. She leaned on a cane. And you know, as we age, sometimes we have to lean on things that are artificial or outside ourselves. In Myrtle Grove, I want to call us that even if we age in weakness, we do not have to become weak in here. We do not. We do not have to be a church of inaction in here. We do not have to be a church of inflexibility in here. We can be a church that lives like Elijah lived, that walks like Elijah walked. I believe with everything in me that everything in that scripture all the power of God, all the demonstrations of God, all the intimacies of God from Genesis to Revelation are possible today. But it will require faith and obedience on our part. A lot of us want to pick and choose. I'll obey this, I'll obey that. Wholehearted faith and obedience. So the first thing that happens is inflexibility. The second thing is uh, loquacity, which is a propensity to talk. The third thing is a propensity towards weakness. The fourth thing is inactivity. I saw my grandparents move into greater and greater inactivity until finally they crossed over into heaven before us. They beat me to heaven. I'm going to get there one day. Elijah was a man of activity, a courageous man. The fifth thing is a retrospectiveness. Now, I just told you how we have a group of 14, 15, and 16-year-olds who are back there, and what are they already doing? Looking back. There's nothing wrong with looking back. We've got to honor the past, but we've got to build to the future. There's a bell that I love, by the way. 
in the fellowship hall. It's in the very back left corner, buried in the fellowship hall. And I want to pull that bell out somewhere. And I want to actually set up a little area here at Myrtle Grove where we can honor the past. But I want to say something. This might step on some of your toes, and that's okay. If Horace Hilton, Horace was the man who really built this and led this church during its heyday, if he walked in here right now, I believe he would step up here and probably fuss at us for having that picture of him front and center when you walk in. God intends to lead us forward. Horace was a great man. The bell should be displayed. There's big old beautiful photographs and documentation of the good old days when we broke ground back here, when this church was built. There needs to be an area at Myrtle Grove that is designated to honor the past. But Myrtle Grove, I am telling you, if we park our cars in a retrospectiveness looking back, we will miss the move of God in the now. God has a purpose for this church. So Elijah was taken up in this whirlwind of fire. And when he was taken up, a cloak fell from the sky. And Elisha picked it up. And I suspect that Elisha was scared to death. And he was wondering if the power of God would rest on him like it rested on his master, Elijah. And so he takes the cloak and he rolls it up and he goes to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River would be a gurgling river, a strong river, a river with rock and silt and mud. I stood on the banks of a river in Alaska one time called the Copper River. And the locals said, if you get in the Copper River, it is so full of glacier milk, which is mud and sand and rock, that it will fill up your pockets and it will drag you to the bottom. Even a life jacket's not strong enough to keep you afloat in that river. The Jordan River is a muddy river, a scary river, a strong river at certain times of the year. And so you have Elisha who takes Elijah's cloak and he touches it down and he actually says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? What he was asking is, Lord, are you going to be with us in this moment like you were with them in the past. Myrtle Grove, God has such a call on this house. He has such a purpose for this house in this season. Power camp is but a drop in the bucket of what God intends to do. There's 350,000 people in the greater Wilmington area. There's 45,000 students connected between UNCW and Cape Fear Community College. There's some 30,000 elementary and middle school students that we deliver power camp flyers to every year. The city is ripe for harvest, but the workers are few. And the churches that are willing to come together and lay aside certain preferences in order to advance the kingdom are rare. I hear people all the time say, Michael, there's, there's churches everywhere in every street corner. But how many of them are alive in the Spirit and obeying God? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But I know that when you are walking in the power of the Spirit, when you are obeying God, people come to Christ. Lives are changed. And there is such a call on this house for this time. 
And I do not want us to look at power camp and go, oh, that was wonderful, and we'll wait till it happens next year. No, no, no. God intends this kind of life every week. Some of you have asked me, Michael, why is the middle school and high school program booming? Why is power camp booming? But why isn't the church booming? We are doing things back there that we are yet unwilling to do up here. Can I be that blunt? We can lead us into a future, but it will require some change. Now, I'm not saying we got to put on laser lights and fog. I'm actually a fan of a real traditional service. I think we ought to have a hymn sing, but I think we also ought to have a place where we cut the younger generation free to worship God in any way they choose. And if that needs to happen downtown or here or in the gymnasium or somewhere else, let's be a church that gets on with what God is doing. It is easy to be a man or woman of God. It is easy to be a man or woman of God. You find what he's doing and you get on doing it. But how many of us miss it because we are so confined by looking back? The Florida mission trip was so good. Or becoming inflexible. Becoming weak, inactive, retrospective. God has a call, Myrtle Grove, for now. For now, he has a place for you. No matter where you are or where your body is, if you're young like Joey and you don't have a pain in the world in your body and you're ready to take on everything, if you're like me and you're in the middle, I'm coming up on 37, or if you're older, like one of my grandmothers, God has a place for you. There is food enough for every one of us. There is expressions of worship enough for every one of us. And you are a valuable part of the team. And God is doing something unique here at Myrtle Grove. And he is doing something unique in this city. And me seeing 164 little ones surrendering their lives to Christ, not on a party or a whim or a, hey, this is cool, but on a genuine, this is real deal, surrendering your heart and your life. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Here is the gospel, and this is what it means. And they come and surrender their lives. That is what God has called us to do in this city. And the city is waiting. The city is waiting for a church that is able to express a word and spirit and evangelical focus and outward outreach to the city. Oh, the best days are ahead, I assure you, Myrtle Grove. If, if we can remain humble, pliable, flexible, and focused on what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives now, we're probably as a church at the Jordan River. dipping our little cloak in. Jesus, will you part it? Jesus, are you here with us now? I believe in us. I want to pray. I want to have Dean come up. Pastor Steve, will you begin to come up and lead us through communion? Let's bow our heads for a minute. Lord Jesus, here we are. 
standing at the Jordan River. Some of us want to cross, some of us don't. Some of us are hopeless that the best days could be ahead and not behind. Some of us are amazed at what you've done in power camp, but think it can't happen here and now. And Lord, by faith, we surrender our hearts. We open our hands, we open our minds. And for those of us who are in Christ, the passage through the shroud of death into eternity with you is just another part of the journey. And Father, I want to declare over this house today that you have such a call, you have such a purpose, and Power Camp is just a drop in the bucket of what you intend to do in this house. Father, would you let us embrace the call? Would you let us take up the cloak? Would you let us touch that Jordan River and see it part so that we can walk through on dry ground? Father, just like we've united as a church for the last five weeks, wearing our power camp bracelets and praying for revival among those who attend power camp, praying that you would touch our city, praying that you would touch our hearts, Father, would you unite us in one heart and one mind as we move forward to cross this Jordan River? Father, would you bless Matt and Catherine George as they lead the trip down to Florida? Father, I pray for a powerful trip full of your spirit, full of your presence, full of your word, full of your worship, that their lives would be changed and that the lives they come in contact with would be changed. Father, I praise you for every power camp coach that is here today. Father, what they experienced at camp, this isn't the end, it's just the beginning. You've only begun to rally us. So, Lord, as we gather here to take communion, to celebrate your death, your resurrection, your life in us and through us, would you unify us and empower us as a church, commissioning us to reach out and be a part of seeing a renewal here in our city.